LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast hosted by LifeWay. Ron's mission is to help church leaders become better leaders. I'm your guest co-host, Chandler Vinoy. Ron, how's it going? I appreciate you doing this. It's going great. And uh, again, uh, if you followed one of the other uh, podcasts where Chandler's been on, we are um, he's filling in for my son, Nate, who I hope will be back. Uh, Maybe we'll see him real soon. He's just in a real busy season of life and ministry and and uh, thankful for him. So hopefully he can get back in into a regular routine. It also doesn't help that he's on the West Coast, yep. you know. So time, uh, when he's ready to uh, record, I'm like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah. What is it, a two-hour difference? Two hours, yep. yeah. So it's not too bad, but yep. still. Still hard to line up schedules and everything. Yeah. So that's yeah. right. Well, today we are going to discuss bad decisions leaders make when in decline or plateau. So tell us where this episode originates from and why it's important. Well, you know, I talk to churches every week. It's part of what I do, and I love doing it. I love uh, coaching and consulting with churches. But, I, you know, normally when they reach out to me, uh, it's because they're in decline or mm-hmm. they're plateauing. And, uh, you know, I've heard statistics as high as 75 to 80 percent of churches are in decline or plateauing, even as high as 90 percent in some cases. I've wow. heard statistics. And, you know, we were talking before the show and you mentioned the with the pandemic. Yeah. I and mean, that's probably going to even accelerate some of that. I have had the uh, advantage of serving in uh, fast-growing churches, fast-growing businesses, but I've also led through some periods of decline, especially in uh, in the business world where we were just trying to hold it together, make payroll and and that sort of thing. So, you know, a lot of what uh, the bad decisions had come out of those experiences, honestly, that I, I realized we just made some bad calls when we were in those periods of decline, and had we not made them, maybe the decline wouldn't have lasted as long. So that's kind of where this originates. Hmm. All right. So seven bad decisions that we can make when we are declining or plateauing in an organization. Let's get started. What's the first one? Well, the first one is failing to admit there's a, a problem. Hmm. And you know that's probably more in plateau, but it also happens in decline. When I got to our uh, last, uh, one of our last churches, I guess, because I've been, I keep, <laughs> I keep saying it's my last church, but I actually did a, an intentional interim. Um, but when I, I got to Emmanuel in Lexington, um, I'll never forget we after we had some growth, uh, the state newspaper, Baptist newspaper, did an article on on revitalization and what had happened, and they interviewed somebody in. The church that had been there a long time. In fact, I gave them their name. I said, "Here's somebody's been in the church a long time." And the question the the um, the writer asked was, "Okay, so you know, uh, you, when Ron came, you had been in a period of of decline." And he said, "They said, no, I don't think we'd had any decline. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think we we needed a pastor, but I don't think you know we'd been in decline." Well. The number was literally, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred less than it wow. was, you know, five years before. But to them, it didn't. It just didn't seem like it. You know, I yeah. guess they their friends were still there. But um, 
and, and that wasn't a failure to admit the problem. It was just, you know, it was just um, they, they didn't recognize it. But until you realize there's a problem, um, you're not going to be able to actually turn things around. So just simply admit, hey, look at the numbers. What are the what do the numbers say? And, uh, and 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 just admit, hey, we're not the the same church we used to. Hmm. You know, used I think to be. I, th- I think of this as uh, I know John Car- John Cotter wrote his whole book on leading change. He talks about create a sense of urgency hmm. and. There is a way to create urgency and there's also a way to create uh, probably fear yes. and yeah. scarcity mentality. Yeah. So, how do you, you know, the the problem that we can do is fail to admit there's a problem. How do we kind of share that there is a problem mm-hmm. without, it's not that the sky's falling down, but it's 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 an inspiring way to say there's a problem. And, and here's how we're going to attack it. Well, first of all, I would say uh, share it with the people who who need to be a part of of solving it. Uh, so if you're if the org- and we we frame this in terms of an organization because I have led in the business world and in in the church world, but primarily we're talking about the church. I wouldn't stand up on a Sunday <laughs> and say, "Look, it, things are really falling apart here." Yeah, this Let's is your first time. Problem. If this is your first time. We're glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, are on decline. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so I, you know, start with the with the right people in the room and say, as leaders of this church. Let's just simply admit what's going on here. Um, so uh, do it with the right people uh, with the but you you still come at it. We'll kind of talk about this as we go along also uh, with some of the others. But but you also uh, go at it from a posture of by recognizing this, it allows us to actually move forward. So start immediately, not just saying what's the problem, but what's the problem so we can do something about it yeah. and give people an incentive to move forward. All right. So number one, fail to admit there's a problem. What's number two? Rejecting the vision in which we previously believed. Hmm. Um, you know, it, maybe it is the wrong vision. You know, maybe it is. But uh, it, but more than likely, it's just you need some new energy towards towards that vision. Don't uh, um, you know, one of the worst things you can do, I think, sometimes is well, we've got to get a new vision, get get a new vision, get a new vision. Well, maybe the vision was good. You just need some some uh, at one time. It was great. Mm. You put words around it. Right. Yeah. So let's just go back to that. We're actually in a in that context right now. And personally, for the vision that we have uh, for this context, I would probably reword it if it was if it was me. You know, but it uh, a lot of energy went into putting that together at one time. So, okay, let's just start with that because we at least people have memorized it by now. (laughs) And let's start from that and rebuild from that. So um, uh, more than likely, there was a reason you came up with that in the first time. And one of the things I say in revitalization all the time is rediscover, don't reinvent. Mm. So why don't you rediscover that vision and what and go back to the reasons why you put that on paper to start with? Yeah, as you say that, like the imagery in my mind is there's like this, maybe it's a little plaque or something that's covered up with dust with right. the old vision. And it's almost like, you know, we've forgotten it. Yeah, and dust you, it off. You need to go over and dust yeah. it off. So how, and I love you brought up the the revitalization aspect. Mm-hmm. So you come in, you know, you don't want to make too much change too sure. quick. Sure. So how do you, how do you find the gold mm-hmm. <laughs> in the old vision? Right, right. And then also weed out the, oh man, this is, this is what has not been working. Yeah. 
Well, you, you, you don't do it alone. You ask a lot of questions. And um, especially if you're new, you know, you don't assume you, you can identify it yourself. But I like to ask questions. And, and if, if you ask the right question, you'll get the right answer. And so, you know, for example, in church revitalization, I'll ask a question, something like this. Describe a time in the life of the church where everything was working well and people were excited about it. Hmm. What was that time like? And then they begin to talk about, you know, and, and a lot of times it'll, it'll, well, I remember one time when we did this and this, the, you know, it, it, so those uh, stories will come out of that, you know, that question. And so you're, you're discovering those moments back in the, in the history of the church, um, the history, you know, and hopefully it's recent, you know, you <laughs> yeah. know, hopefully there are some that aren't. Well, in the 1950s, <laughs> you got anything uh, more recent? Than yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there's not, you have a lot of time, a hard time. Uh, but hopefully, within the last ten years or so, there was a moment in time when, when. So that's why you ask the questions, such as, "When's the last time you mm. remember?" You know. Yeah. But so asking those questions and trying to uncover, mm. unearth some of those type things. All right. What's what's number three? Well, playing the blame game. Um, you know, when you're in decline or um, um, when you're plateaued, blaming somebody else is not going to is not going to move anything forward. Um, maybe there are problems that you need to people or, or issues that you need to address. But uh, just simply blaming it on other people is not going to move the ball forward. You got to take owner. OK, yes, yeah, sure. There's a lot of things there that may have been in the past, but I'm here now. What are we going to do about it? Hmm. What about number four? Trying a thousand bad ideas. <laughs> you know, when um, it's so typical in uh, periods of decline or plateau, we just uh, we scurry, we scramble, we're anxious, anxiously going from one idea to another idea and nothing lands. And, um, you know, uh, f- find one or two things and, and work them long enough to see if they take traction. Don't go from idea to idea to idea to idea. Um, you know, and, and I get it. I, I, I really do understand and get it. You just, you, you want to throw a thousand things on the wall and hope something sticks, but it rarely, rarely does. And so, um, uh, we use a shotgun approach rather than a rifle approach. Use the rifle approach and zero in on a few things. Again, ask questions, find out what's worked in the past, zero in on those. I'll give you a, a real practical example. When, when I uh, did get to a manual and, and, uh, and we needed some wins, and so I started asking some questions, and I found out that the church really got excited about missions, especially local missions. Well, I can rifle in on that, and we can find one or two local mission projects that we can do and people can get excited about. And once we start to do that, then we'll have some momentum to do other things. As, I, as I'm thinking about putting my shoes, declining or plateauing, and everybody's looking to you, you know, let's say you've got number three right. You're not playing the blame game. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm taking ownership of this. It almost feels the most productive thing to do is a thousand ideas mm. because I want to look like we're trying. Right, right, right. So instead you're saying, hey, that's actually counterproductive. Yeah. Focus on one or two. Right. So there there will be, uh, you know, especially those watching and even following that they're like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And the easiest way is to say another idea. Right. So how do you stay in the same direction? The rifle approach, we're going to do one or two things 
how do you keep the momentum going there when the the new idea is easy to talk about? How do you keep momentum around one or two things? Well, you you have to find, you know, that's where you've done your homework to find one or two that hopefully will stick. And you don't have to, you don't have to try them, you know, we're going to stick with this for 10 years. No, try it, you know, try it longer than that. But I mean, uh, don't, you know, no, <laughs> 20 that, years. I, yeah, no, I said that the wrong way. Uh, you don't have to stick with it for 10 years. Try it longer than a week, yeah. you know, but you don't have to stick with it for, for 10 years. But, um, but give it some time to, 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 to go through. But that's also the task of leadership. So finding the right ones is, is first. But that's also the task of leadership. You got to cast the vision continually around that. Here's, mm-hmm. here's why we're doing this. Look, this church gets excited about missions. This church is – so we're going to do these and get some traction in that before we go on to something else. And um and and it and yeah, it's the hard work of leadership, right, is is determining what, what you can't do and what, what not to do. Yep. Well – that kind of leads us into number five, ideas and taking, you know, stepping out. Yeah. You know, what's number five? We quit taking any risks. Hmm. Um, you know, that's the opposite of a thousand ideas. But uh, the, but I see it so many times when things begin to slow down or um, or decline that we just we just stop. Hey, we can't do anything right now. We, we don't upset the cart any more than it already is. Yep. And so we tr- we don't try anything new. And I've seen uh, church leadership boards and uh, whether that's deacons, elders, whatever, fall into that trap so many times where they just shut things down. Uh, when, uh, again, I, when I got to um, Emmanuel, you know, they had stopped any kind of uh, marketing or or uh, advertising or any because that seemed too risky. I mean, you don't know if you're going to get a return on that or not. Mm. You know, well that okay, but that's you're trying to get people in here, right? You know, and that's what you're going to do. They'd stopped uh, de- uh, any kind of leadership or staff development had gone away because that seemed you know we can't afford to do that right now. You know. Um, they they wouldn't allow uh, the the student ministry to try a new activity or a new event because we just we got to be safe right now with our funds and with our resources. I get that, but uh, new it builds momentum, right? Mm-hmm. And those risks build that. So you've got to um, in in times where you're in decline or plateau is a time to display courage as a leader and take another risk. Yeah, I just think you know maybe. An army analogy, you don't win wars by playing defense. You, yeah. you, you play offense. That's right. And and not only that, but you want to talk about, you know, having momentum and others leading. You want to go on a winning team. Yeah. And, and not saying that risks always lead to winning. That's right. But you want to be on a, a team that's, you know, at least trying to move the ball forward. And, you know, there's many churches that pop into my head when you're talking about those scenarios who kind of just pack it in. And- Let's say you jump into one of those, or maybe maybe you're you're there. You've been there for for five years or ten years, and you're starting to see that. You're starting to see the tide. Hey, we're going to cut that from the budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't have the funds right now. Right, right. How do you navigate that, and how do you bring that to others' attention and say, "Hey, guys, we can't stop taking risks." Yeah. Well, that is the job of leadership, and why you're casting the 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 vision for that, and and it was. So, and I like to lead with stories, and so I, you know, I, I would, uh, I would probably share um, 
uh, I mean, there, how many biblical stories do we have of where God called them to take a risk? Mm. They couldn't see the outcome. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, as faith leaders, we have a very definition of faith that it the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. What are we doing today that we do not know the outcome? We don't know. In order to please God, we're going to have to be taking some of those moves. So I think that really becomes the at that point, the um, the job of leadership is to cast vision towards that, help people. Um, help people understand this is who we've been called to be. Yeah. And I'm just even convicted of that. If, if we're not willing to, to go out on a limb and trust God in that, yeah. then what are we doing? Right. So exactly. that's, a, that's a convicting statement. All right. What's number six? Not addressing the real problems. Um, a, a lot, a lot of times we address, uh, let me, let me think of an example here that, that, um, uh, that, that comes to mind. If, Let's say, um, and I've dealt with this so many times, where um, the the system is the problem, not the outcome of the system. But the system's harder to change, so we don't address the system. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, The way we make decisions as a church is the problem, but that's harder to change. So we address other things that, you know, the decisions that we've made rather than addressing, okay, the real problem is it's the way we make decisions around here. Let's mm-hmm. change the process. Yeah. Um, the The real problem may be, okay, we keep, um, uh, I'll give you another example. Uh, in, in, in uh, at, at Emmanuel, I keep going back to them. <laughs> I, I need to use other churches because I've been at other churches, but. Uh, uh, we had a, a really fun run there, but the, um, we had a policy in our, uh, in our policy manual, which was essentially our bylaws that was voted on by the church on folded chairs. Hmm. It had to do with what happens when someone borrows folded chairs. And if you had a uh, if you borrowed folded chairs from the church, you had so many days to return them. And if if you didn't, this happened, you know, all this sort of stuff. Well, you know how that got in there. It got in there because somebody borrowed chairs from the church. and They didn't bring them back. Yep. Well, the real problem is somebody didn't bring back their chairs. So, so don't, create a policy don't create a it. policy about it. <laughs> Go over to their house and get the chairs yeah. <laughs> or say, Bob, did you bring back the chairs? Did you bring back the chairs? <laughs> the real problem is Bob didn't bring back the chairs. Yep. You know, Bob's always a problem. And you know that in every <laughs> church, right? I'm just kidding. But the, the point is, handle that, the real problem. Don't, mm. uh, don't rubber stamp it or hide it under a rug or whatever. Yeah. Another way I feel like this could play itself out is let's go kind of a people issue. You know, you try to you try to navigate around the issue rather than the real problem. Yeah. Which maybe it's not a culture fit. Maybe it's they are not respecting the authority. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Because that's an issue that often comes up. You don't. It's it is people problems are the hardest to deal with. So yeah. we normally run away from them. Well, and and I uh, one of my favorite things to say uh, is uh, churches keep bad people on the payroll in the name of grace. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and and again, it may not be a bad 
person. It may it may be there as you said, you said it in a much nicer way. They're not <laughs> a cultural fit anymore or or they've um you know, I have had probably half a dozen times where I had someone in a role and and they no longer loved the role. Mm. So they weren't performing at at the expectations that even they would set for themselves because they didn't love the role anymore. And I used to tell our church all the time, look, the the widow's might keeps this church going. We don't have the right to take their payroll from them if we're not will if if we don't love what we're doing, called to what we're doing, and doing it effectively. And and so I don't want to ever stay in a job for a paycheck. I don't think that's a faith move, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, w- w- if you know if I was coaching your church and the the person is the problem, uh, I would probably say. Look, your job yeah. is to handle that. That's the real problem. Mm. And let me tell you how I've done that a couple of times. This may this may be helpful. I, um, I've had um, two or three times where a children's pastor, you know, had kind of aged out of that, and they just didn't feel like that was. They wanted to go on to something else, but they didn't know what that was. Couldn't find it, whatever, or student pastor, or or, or whatever. So what I have done in that situation, not a bad person necessarily, you know, love the person maybe even, is I have simply said, look, we know that you don't want to be a children's pastor anymore or you don't. So here's what how we're going to handle that. And I usually do it in January. Hmm. This is your year to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Wow. At the end of this year, you won't be our children's pastor. but. In the meantime, I'll do everything in my power to help you figure out what's next. That's awesome. I don't know how more graceful I can be because the, we're supposed to be full of grace and truth, right? The truth is we yeah. need we need a children's pastor who wants to be a children's pastor, right? Yep. We need a college pastor that wants to be a college pastor. It feels called to that. feels like that's what God would have them do. If that's not the case anymore, let's figure out what's next, but we can't continue to do that. For all eternity. And that's that's good stewardship. Yeah. And what you were talking about, this we have the purpose and vision that we've been given yeah. in, in scripture is to you know build Christ's church through the power of his spirit. Mm. And if we don't do that effectively, we are not stewarding that well. So that's those right. so these these real problems you're talking about, it is poor stewardship if we let them that's exactly right. continue to fester and we don't if it's people, if it's systems. But it's a hard thing to do. Oh, it's a real It's a hard thing to do. Okay. What is number seven? Focusing only on the loss or the losses. You're in a decline. You're in plateau. And so you sit in meeting every week and all you talk about is all the bad stuff. Uh, now, I understand that's probably the stuff th- that's glaring. Yeah. You know, hey, we were 10% down this week or we were, you know, uh, our budget is short or whatever that is. I get it. That's the biggest story. Um, and, you know, this one, I, I said a lot of these I got out of the business world. You know, we, my wife and I owned a business together and and I prayed for a check to be in the mail every Monday so we could make payroll because we got we did payroll on Monday. I, it, here's a here's a word for business leaders. OK, never make payroll on Monday because you won't have a good weekend <laughs> all right? You know, because all weekend you're thinking, oh, I hope I can make payroll on Monday. But and 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 the Lord bless. We never missed a payroll. But 
uh, it was just stressful. But my wife and I were in there together. And so we all we had to talk about was how bad things were, you mm-hmm. know, and we so we had to discipline ourselves. Hey, when we go home, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. T- find things to talk about that fuel you, that encourage you. Doesn't mean you don't address the r- real problems. We've already said that. But find things to uh, to celebrate. Find stories of things that are working. Um, the uh, uh, make it genuine, but look for the glass half full stories. You know, and uh, and and there are often things you have to look for. One of the things we do at our staff, here's another freebie that we do at our, our staff meeting um, every every week. We have an agenda that we follow and we talk about the wins. We talk about the, the you know, the ways we can improve and those sort of things. But we we have on our list, who did you meet yesterday? Hmm. And it's simply a way for and, – and as it's being built into our culture, a new culture because I'm only, a, a, you know, six months in or so – People are are out looking yep. for who are they going to meet. You don't want right? to be there with yeah. nothing to yeah. say. And so, but it's providing stories. Hey, did you know this person does this and this person? So those are, and we're not. I'm not saying we're in a decline or plateau, but mm-hmm. it, it's a it's fueling positive conversations yeah. in the room. They're looking for stories, and uh, go looking for the stories because something tells me God's still at work in somebody's life. Find that story, uncover that story, and talk about that, and see the impact. One of the things we're doing, um, uh, uh, another thing we're doing is, um, we aren't uh, seeing the number of baptisms and and things that I would like to see. I think some of that may be pandemic related, you know, and and that sort of thing. But one of the things we're doing is. We're pulling numbers from other things that we support. So we have like 40 partnership ministries. We're pulling their stories in Mm. because we're part of that too, right? Yep. So we can celebrate. We may not have everything we want here, but we can celebrate the investment we're making in others, right? And how they're growing and and, and that sort of thing. So find some things, some genuine things that you can celebrate along the way. Um, you know, um, and when you're in those periods of decline, and if you're if you're there uh, right now, I'm not going to tell you it's going to turn around immediately by mm-hmm. any means. If I can help, I'd, I'd love to come out and help your church. But um, it, it's it's going to take time to turn things around, and and I can't tell you how long that's going to be. But if you're in that situation, stay faithful. Um, you know. Work the your plow to the what well, I'm lost the scripture I'm trying to but ha- keep your hand to the plow that God has called you to keep doing the ministry the work that He's called you to be faithful during the decline and it's the harvest is the Lord's anyway right it's not ours yeah and so um, uh, do what do be faithful at what you've been called to do and the 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 turn may be just around the corner well this episode we've talked about. You know, some of the bad decisions that you can make or the things that you can look to. So next next episode, let's talk about some things that we should do when our churches are declining or plateauing. Sounds good. <laughs> It'll be a little bit more upbeat. <laughs> well, hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, please help us out. Download, share, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And let us know topics that you'd like for us to discuss in future episodes. We'll see you next week.
No matter how many people you have on staff at your church, there's only so much you can accomplish in a day, right? Your church exists to serve your community. So the mission of your church and its staff is to reach as many people as you can. That's why productivity is essential for churches, as most of your church's success lies in its ability to lean into and leverage resources for optimum performance. And thankfully, our friends at Belay know this well. Belay is an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years of experience serving churches, and they have successfully matched thousands of organizations with part-time virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media strategists. That's why they're offering our listeners a free download of their resource, Church Leaders, Essential Strategies to Unleash Productivity. Let Belay help your church live its mission in your community by helping you juggle less and accomplish more. Just go to Belay, that's B-E-L-A-Y, solutions.com slash Lifeway for your free download.